Take us just a couple of minutes to get all of our uh, audiovisual up and running tonight. Want to appreciate everybody who has been working with us over the last uh, few weeks in our missions month and uh, bringing you our missionaries from around the world, from around the United States, presenting what you are participating in right here at Westside. Missions is not just a program that we do. Missions is at the very heart of God and what He wants us to value. And so because of that, every year in October, the elders here dedicate the month of October to setting up a, a, a presentation of all that we're participating in in missions so that you can be aware of what the congregation is doing, so that you can be aware of the, uh, the productivity that you're a part of. And a lot of us work in missions uh, all through the year, but whether or not you work directly with the missions program or whether or not you contribute to what uh, the Westside congregation does each week, or whether you are uh, working with uh, Mary Nell Kemper out in the World Bible School room, sending out lessons through the, uh, the correspondence courses that we offer through World Bible School, it takes all of us, as Furman so beautifully preached this morning, to share the gospel with the world. Why do we do Missions Month? Why do we do that every year? Well, one of the reasons we do that is because Satan doesn't take a break just because of things like a pandemic. The pandemic shut down most of the world, but it did not shut down Satan or his forces. And likewise, the church, no matter what is happening in the world, has to also respond and make sure that gospel message is being proclaimed to everyone. Because Satan doesn't stop, Christ's mission never stops. Amen? I'm being joined tonight by Andy Vaughn and Bryson Davis. Guys, thank you for joining me tonight. Okay, we uh, need to work on our, our sound with uh, Andy and Bryson. Or are you just pulling my leg and you're just pretending not to speak? Oh, maybe. <laughs> okay, we're going to be working on their sound. While we're working on their sound, uh, this picture shows us that Satan doesn't stop. This is a picture of a warrior deity in India. I thought it was a, a humorous cartoon where she has eight arms, and so the protocols for, for COVID, washing of hands, was particularly onerous for her. <laughs> well, that's the kind of thing that Satan has out there in the world and that he's promoting in our world, and that's why we mustn't stop our efforts of the proclamation of the gospel. Our time and focus indicate our values as Christ's church. In Luke 12, verse 34, the Bible says, For where your treasure is, there will your, there will your heart be also. When I was growing up, a lot of times when a missionary would come to town and we would announce he would be speaking on a Sunday night, you'd see a dramatic decrease in the crowd that would come to church on Sunday night. That was always a very sad part of what we would experience. But I want to praise you here at Westside because when we have our missionaries in, no matter even how hard they are to understand at times because of their accents, this congregation always shows up in force to encourage our mission efforts. 
And I want to thank you for that. It shows us where your values are, and that's certainly where Jesus' value is. This last year, we were able to conduct a World Bible School Gospel Meeting campaign in the country of Zambia. And that's the clothing I'm wearing here is from the country of Zambia. If you get dizzy suddenly and feel dizzy, just close your eyes and the feeling will pass, all right? But this is the kind of colorful clothing that is normal in, uh, in Central Africa. Here you see a picture on the left of what the Kaonde tribe, which is where uh, our family lived and, and Don and Rita Boyd lived for many years as we planted the church in this tribal area. It's a remote area of Zambia. This is who they worship. This is what they worship. The fellow on the left you see there is considered a fetish, an incarnation of the dead ancestors. And this is taken deadly serious by this tribe. And they bow down, they worship, they pray, and they sacrifice to the dead ancestors. In fact, they believe the dead ancestors determine everything that happens in their lives. It's a very fate and fear-driven religion. On the right, you see one of my World Bible School students named Nathan, who's a, uh, a part of that tribe, and he uh, was taking correspondence courses with me. And you'll notice the book that he's, he's studying there. It's the second book that our World Bible School teachers send out through the correspondence courses called God Has Spoken. You see, Nathan would not know Creator God has spoken because he does not know Creator God. All he knows is what the tribe teaches him of the dead ancestors. And so for Nathan, this was a revolutionary thought that the creator of the universe, the God that created him and all that's around him, actually wants to communicate with Nathan and help him understand who he is, who God is, What's going on in the world around us? We're on our way to a baptism here in beautiful Zambia, Central Africa. So we're crossing the stream to where we'll be able to assist a young man that has decided to obey the gospel in our Youth Gospel Meeting 2022. We are having a wonderful week here at the <laughs> Mumena Gospel Youth Conference. It's a World Bible School campaign where we bring youth from America who've just graduated from high school to share their faith with many youth and young adults here in Central Africa. We have had uh, 300 students show yes, up, sir. haven't we, Edward? Yes, sir. And uh, that's a great many youth to uh, organize into classes. Uh, this is one of our youth, Danny, who is a World Bible School student. I believe you've just completed all seven yes. plus of yes. the World Bible School courses yes. online. Yes. And we're joined by Machona Monyamane, who works with World Bible School and coordinates our efforts in South Africa. And uh, you had a wonderful class of students, didn't you? I have a blast. <laughs> <laughs> this is what it's about, you sharing Jesus. Mm -hmm. And we want to thank you for all you do to make it possible. Yes. Just a little footage that Derek helped put together uh, for our, our program. 
Let's take a little flashback now to what you made possible with that campaign this last July. This was the first time since COVID we were able to have this gospel meeting. This gospel meeting started uh, for the youth of this particular tribe in 2014, but actually began for adults in uh, 2006. It was a concerted effort of the Churches of Christ to introduce the church into this part of Zambia. The Churches of Christ have been in Zambia since the 1800s when John Sheriff, a missionary from New Zealand from the churches, came and preached in the southern part. But it is just now getting to the remote areas of the northwest corner of this great country. Because of your help and because of your support, we were able to take uh, senior high graduates on this campaign and some college students on this campaign, Andy and Bryson, were two of the ones that were able to participate with us. Andy and Bryson, do we have your sound up yet? Do you can you hear us? Hello, hello. Okay, we've got their sound, so we're glad they're with us tonight. Really, Andy and Bryson helped form the infrastructure that made the entire campaign possible. Normally, we'll take from 20 to 25 people on this campaign, but because it was our first year back and we didn't know if the uh, COVID restrictions were going to be uh, such that we could not make the campaign or not, we only had a small number signed up. And because of that, I had to have extra help in pulling off a full campaign. We had no idea uh, how it would uh, take place or how many people would come, but it has to begin every year with training. And training starts in January as we get together in uh, different churches that are participating, and right here at Westside, and we start training how to share your faith cross-culturally, what a different culture is like, and how communicating cross-culturally is a skill that you can learn. Within those training sessions, you learn a, a great many shocking things that you have to learn how to teach about that would surprise you from your culture. And certainly that's the case in learning about the Kaonde. We traveled for three straight days. It is a, a bit of a grueling and taxing journey. We traveled for three straight days without taking a, uh, a break for sleep. We, of course, slept on the plane. But after three days of travel, you're quite weary. And we arrived about 9 p.m. Uh, in a winter night. Remember, our summer is their winter. We arrived at a winter night, about 40 degrees, uh, where we have our camp set up for the campaign. Of course, everybody was exhausted, everybody was ready to go to bed, but what we did not know is that the palace of His Royal Highness King Mumena had had a roof difficulty, and part of the roof had collapsed, and so he had moved into our guest house with all of his royal entourage and we were unaware that he was there. We arrive and uh, some of the church leaders meet us outside the building and say, well, His Royal Highness is in residence. <laughs> and I say, well, what am I supposed to do about this with His Royal Highness in residence? And they said, well, we've never experienced this before. We have no idea what to do. <laughs> And so it was, it was quite frightening for our church leaders because of the power and the significance of the royal family within their culture. However, 
they went and had an audience with His Royal Highness, and gratefully His Royal Highness took us in and uh, prevented us from being homeless and welcomed us to join the royal family in the guest house. This was perhaps the most peculiar campaign experience that I've ever had with a group of campaigners. The royal family is extremely nice and friendly, but every time they walk into the room, you have to stop everything and hit the ground. And nobody can say anything until His Royal Highness addresses you and the bodyguards let you get back up. Well, I was the chief cook this trip, which meant every time he came in to say hello, I had to turn off all the stoves, hit the ground, <laughs> and then start cooking over after a 30 or 45 minute visit. So needless to say, we had a, a few unique opportunities with this campaign. Here you see one of the elders of the Hillcrest Church of Christ and Sandra visiting with the royal family. With this unique experience comes a lot of mundane experiences, and uh, Andy and Bryson, if you can see this particular slide, you will uh, have fond memories of them building their shower. This is uh, Andy and Bryson and some others building the shower. The room behind them is where the men shower, but what they're building is a fire pit over which they will put a 55-gallon drum. They'll fill it with water and heat it each day, and then the plastic drum is cold water, and you get two little buckets, and you get to mix just to the right temperature that you prefer. And that's how the men do their shower. The women actually have running water in the houses with uh, showers with water heaters. Of course, Bryson was going home. He did not have the advantage of his original mode of transport that he had in Zambia when we first moved there, but he did get to meet many of his friends he grew up with. We begin by going out to the churches and inviting them to send their young people to the gospel meeting. Now, young people in this culture is not just teenagers. It is anyone th 13 through about 25 that's not yet married. And so it's actually uh, a majority young adult gospel meeting. Here we are at one of the congregations, and I'm, I'm teaching Andy and one of his friends there just to blend. Just blend and fit in. And part of blending is found in Luke 10 and verse 8, when Jesus gives this actual direct command, whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you. Now, sometimes we can get really wrapped up in our preferences and, uh, and what we prefer. But in mission work, Jesus tells us that receiving hospitality is of vital importance. And I was so proud of this campaign group. In fact, guys, this campaign group was one of the most pleasant campaign groups I've ever traveled with. They were really extraordinary in that when, uh, when people in their poverty would give of their poverty to share a meal, our guys stepped up, ate the meal with smiles on their faces and thanksgiving in their hearts. And man, what an impact that has as the churches sent their youth. Of course, as we're preparing and getting ready, we're always wondering around the campfire of the evening, how many do you think will come? We thought perhaps 50 or maybe 60, post-COVID, getting back into the swing of things, but over 300 came from the villages around. We had our smallest campaign group ever with just 11 people, and we had one of our largest crowds that we've ever had. 
Well, that's when you go into panic mode and you shift into high gears, and that's where Andy and, and Bryson really came into uh, their own and provided leadership, they provided organization, they provided structure, even though when you first see that many show up, you realize this is a lot of people. <laughs> but you gather your courage and you say, okay, let's divide and conquer. Let's put our, our groups into small groups. And the men had groups of 30 and the women had groups of 60 to teach. These young people, about half of them are members of the churches of Christ in this area. And they bring their friends who are still pagans, still people who are lost in darkness, worshiping in fear the dead ancestors and that practice that goes with it, which includes a lot of witchcraft and, uh, and fetish worship. But the young people come because this is one of the biggest events in their part of the world uh, that happens for Christian activity. It's a big deal to them. They come from as far away as uh, 65 miles, and they will walk if they have to all night in order to be present. Here you see some of the young people and one of their chaperones. Every church sends sh uh, several chaperones in order to live and be with the students throughout the week of study. We were studying uh, the book, This is Good News from World Bible School, that we'd actually done a rewrite for with the first chapter because of what so many people in uh, certain cultures experience from India to Africa, even some places in South America. And that is because of the principles of reincarnation, the timeline of Bible history is not understood. It's not a part of their culture. And so a beginning and an end is not a part of how they think. Now you think about that it's very hard to draw conclusions, consistent conclusions, if you don't have beginnings and ends. And so our challenge was to challenge this culture with the timeline of God. Here you see Sandra mentoring one of our young uh, senior high graduates on how to teach, along with their translator, with their 60 students. Here you see some of our other students working on a way to use pictures to build a timeline where the students each day would practice putting a timeline together in order. And that was a bizarre new idea for many within the, uh, the students. Here Andy is sharing the fact that through history, God has been working out good news for everyone's benefit. Even though sin entered the world, God is working to produce good news for mankind. Because mankind was, was created to be God's eternal children. And God wants to have his way. Now, he's not going to violate human free moral agency to get there. But he is going to offer the gospel to every creature. Here you see Bryson and Andy uh, as they would teach eight hours a day for a week. And you think about that from early morning to late afternoon eight hours a day, you would think some students would get antsy. But these students have been studying that booklet through the year, and they arrive with lists of questions that they want answered. 
They have been studying. They have been talking to their, their friends who worship the dead ancestors and inviting them to learn about this creator God. And so here you see, after one of the classes, the intense discussion that takes place. And many of the church leaders, church elders, and deacons will show up to be a part of these discussions to answer these pressing questions, these pressing spiritual needs. This young man is Humphrey. In this particular culture, it is a matrilineal system, and the ladies are in charge of certain things, such as choosing who the next king will be. And it doesn't have to be a man. It can be a lady who becomes the queen of the tribe. It's not the next born in the lineage of the current king. The women of the tribe, the older women of the tribe, decide. They are also in charge of all religion. Here you see uh, the fellow in the colorful shirt. He was one of the early Christians in 2006. He obeyed the gospel and he invited his wife and children to come to worship with him. And his wife told him, in no uncertain terms, if you ever invite me or our children to worship with you again, I will divorce you and put you away. Well, Shadrach had to simply follow the instructions of Scripture and live in such a way as to demonstrate his life as transformed by Christ. And this past year, this lady put on Christ herself. In fact, her son, Humphrey, who went once he had turned 18, he was baptized a couple of years ago in the youth gospel meeting, and he preached the Sunday morning sermon to the entire 300 students present. Wasn't it beautiful to see how God, through how Satan has twisted the world into something different from what he intends, God can reclaim it and redeem it. It may take some time, but that's why mission work is something that happens year in and year out. When Humphrey preached his sermons, he challenged the allegiance that people have to either Creator God or the dead ancestors. Because you see, many religions try to merge the two and have a little of each. Have a, a, a kind of a spiritual smorgasbord of what you prefer for religion. But Christ does not entertain that notion. For Christ, as we were studying this morning in the Young Families class, it's an all-or-nothing proposition. And so Humphrey, proclaiming the Word of God, challenged many of our youth to consider where their allegiance lies. At this point, I want to bring in Bryson and Andy to share with us some of the experiences that they had. And I want to start with this question. And Andy, we'll start with you. How does this experience, how does this campaign experience change you? First, I want to say good evening, church. Um, I want to say, you know, I've grown up at Westside learning how to write devotionals and deliver them. And I love being part of the youth group. and being part of the high school program that taught me and trained me. Um, I was a bit worried when I first started out for mission work, but I, I figured it out. Um, I explained to my parents why I had to go. Um, I got my passport. I consoled my mom. I wrote my lessons. I packed my bags. I consoled my mom again. 
<laughs> I practiced my lessons with family and friends. I got my immunizations and medicines. I consoled my mom even more. <laughs> you get the point. Uh, um, but studying to write and deliver lessons to a completely new audience and everybody in a different country, it was a bit hard. Um, I really had to dig deep and question why I believed in what I believed in to teach people that necessarily I hadn't grown up with at West Side. It's, to me, it's kind of hard, you know, to explain how one trip can change someone's entire life. Um, I know that God and many of you at West Side had a hand in making this trip possible for me. And, and I only pray that it also, it didn't just change me, but it also changed everyone that I met uh, and all the friends I made while I was in uh, Africa. Thank you, Andy. Bryson, what about you? Well, I'll also say good evening to everybody. It's evening. good to see you all. Well, I can't see you all, but I know I can hear you all. Um, um, this is not my first time on this trip, obviously. I've been going for a few years now. And a consistent thing throughout it, no matter how many times I go, is it's always a fresh reminder of the church working in different cultures. And to get to see how people who are different than us in almost every single way can still come together and worship the same God and still come and have the same relationships with one another that are founded in their faith, the same as we do in America and as I do all over the world. That reminder is always incredibly encouraging and to see the church working and to see the passion that people have for their faith there, it is always encouraging and it always encourages me to try to be better, try to be more excited about my faith, more passionate about it, and to try to continue to work on my faith whenever I experience people thousands of miles away doing it in a totally different way, but still so passionate about it. All right, very good. Next question, what does this experience, this campaign experience, teach you about brotherhood? Andy? Well, most of you know my younger brother, Brody. Um, he and I fight like most siblings do, uh, but our bond of brotherhood is, first of all, lifelong, and it's really strong. Um, I think that it's really easy to call... Uh, the people at Westside and my brothers and sisters in Christ. But the idea of, there, of me having brothers and sisters thousands and thousands and thousands of miles away from me, it was a new concept, you know? Um, it taught me about how the world's so big and it expanded my scope on God's family and how connected we, we truly are. Um, it gave me a brotherhood and strong connection that I like much like the one I have with my brother I have now um, my parents always taught me growing up people are people and that we should love everyone and the people there take this concept to a completely different level they embraced me and they embraced Bryson and they embraced the other people who came with us and they treated us like family immediately and they loved all of us so dearly and it's just it's an unbreakable bond. Thank you. Bryson? Um, 
for me, this trip always and going to Africa and experiencing the church there, it kind of like what I was saying earlier, it just is a reminder of how big the church truly is. It's really easy that if you've never traveled much or if you've never been in it, to different congregations, to it's easy to think that the church is really just confined to your congregation, confined to Westside or to Texas or even to just America. And getting to go and experience the church in other parts of the world, it truly gives you a better concept of how big the church is and how far reaching it is. And like I said earlier, no matter who you are, how different you are, how you can still have that commonality between brothers. That's great. Next question. This is one that often confronts our campaigners, and it's a very painful, difficult thing to grapple with when you first arrive. What does this experience teach you about poverty? Andy? Well, you know, before going to Africa, like you said, I had this concept of poverty in my head, which I'm guessing most people in America think of, you know, um, but I, I, when I got there, I quickly learned that that is a very American view of poverty. Um, see, as we as Americans would see poverty, it has no bearing to them whatsoever. Um, all I saw was a beautiful group of people that enjoyed and found the best in such small things, such uh, small things in life, things like gorgeous sunrises and sunsets, having a school to learn and grow at, and having a nice pair of slide-on shoes was such a big blessing for them. All of these things that I can admit I've taken granted for in my life. Um, they had a pure love for the world that God created for us. They. The people there wanted to learn and they wanted to grow. They just don't have the same opportunities as we usually do, but us going gives them an opportunity to spread and talk about what they believe in. Very good. Bryson. Yeah, Andy really touched on it. It's really boils down to the amount of joy that they have. Um, you'll never meet more content, more joyful people than in Africa. And from a material standpoint, yeah, they have less than us, but they were willing to sacrifice so much. Like my dad said with the meal, it is not cheap to put on a meal for that many people and then to also take on us campaigners and feed us and give us the best of what they can provide time and time again. That is a big sacrifice, but there is never a complaint about it from them. They are always so happy to be generous and to help us out. And they just have, like Andy said, they have a true joy in life that even with people who have so much money, so much more, so many more things, you don't find that often in America. And that joy is, it's encouraging, again, to not take so many things for granted, like Andy said. That's right. What, what you don't see in this picture is this was the final meal, and they always prepare a special meal to share with the visitors who come on campaign. And so this year, they lined up everybody in chairs, and on the other side of this camera is 300 people watching them eat their meal. <laughs> the final question tonight, guys, what does this teach you about the power of the gospel? Andy? Andy? 
You know, to me, what I really got, or what I really you know, learned is that the power of God's word reaches way further than I could have ever known. Um, I got to see firsthand how we as evangelists can change someone's life with just one lesson, with one you know, sentence. The campaign as a whole showed me how I can, how like, how I can person personally change someone's life, how I can make an impact in this world. Um, I think it's incredible how God works through missionaries here at Westside or uh, other places in the world, other brother and sister congregations, deliver His message and how receptive the people in Africa were to the, the news. I'm not going to lie, I was a bit nervous because of the language barrier and the cultural differences, but God was so good to me and helped me prepare my lessons and deliver his message with confidence. You know, um, God's message was sent and it was also received because his word transcends all barriers. That's right. Bryson. It doesn't only affect those that we go teach. The power of the gospel also affects us when we go and teach it. I have always learned so much and been affected and impacted so much whenever I prepared lessons for going on campaign. I know Andy would agree. Um, the, the power of the gospel, it works both ways. It works in them, and then it works in us as well. And it is truly a, I hate to even call it an experience, because it's life-changing. It whenever you get to truly spread the word and see how it changes the lives of people, how they were some people who are just so lost in darkness that when they see the light and you see those light bulbs go off in their heads and you see them begin to grasp it and they ask questions and then you start really digging into the word and you've run out of material a long time ago and you're just kind of freestyling at this point, but it's great because you're all there trying to learn together and trying to find truth together. Um, there is really nothing like it. And it is always the most refreshing, refreshing, you know, always just the most encouraging thing in the world. All right. The young man you see here on the screen is named Simpongo. His father hated the church. In fact, at one point, his father uh, drug us before the courts as missionaries and nearly had all of our visas revoked. He hated the church. He never allowed his children, like Simpongo, to go to church. He forbade them to go to the church. This year, Simpongo's father died in darkness. But Simpongo came to the youth gospel meeting. He came and he studied with Andy and he studied with Bryson, and then along with 41 individuals, he decided to put on Christ in baptism and come into the light. 41 individuals put on the gospel in this particular baptistry two miles from where we were having our class. We walked those two miles because this particular baptistry has less crocodiles. This next year, we hope you will want to join the cool crowd that can be a part of our youth gospel campaign 
uh, going to Zambia in the last week of June and the first week of July. For those who might be interested, whether you're a, a senior high graduate or a, an adult, we have some information packets down here that I'll have at the front. If you would like to know more about the campaign, the missions committee wants to encourage you to think about going. And so we would love for you to be a part of that training as of January. We have a few weeks here at the end of the year. You can judge whether or not that's something you could participate in. But it is truly transformative, not only to those who receive the gospel, but for those who teach the gospel. Quite frankly, gentlemen, I could not have done this campaign this year without you. Y'all did a phenomenal job, and Westside, you did a phenomenal job in sending these two gentlemen to help in this mission. Very often around the campfire at night, our senior high graduates were being mentored by Bryson and Andy as they shared their faith with their fellow campaigners. So tonight, let's end with Romans chapter 1, verse 16 through 17, where it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. This evening, if you have not yet obeyed this gospel, if your life has not been transformed by this gospel, we offer the invitation to you to believe, to repent, to confess the name of Jesus Christ, and to obey that gospel by being buried with Him in the waters of baptism. If tonight your faith has been cold and unimpactful in this world, and you need to have a reset, you need to repent and come back to Christ, we always have an open invitation for those coming home. If tonight you need to simply ask for the prayers of a loving family, we ask that you would consider your needs and come while together we stand and sing the hymn announced.